Hello, podcast listener. Hello, you there? It's Paul here. You're probably expecting me to tell you about a brand or a business that you by now have heard the same advert as umpteen times. Um, but you're not. You're not hearing that. Um, and that's because of one reason. So if you are an eagle-eared listener to the podcast, you will know that the last couple of episodes I keep saying, oh, this is potentially the last episode. And I've made some really big and important decisions regarding the past podcast. And they're not important to you because it's just something that's in your ear every now and again. But it is important to me. The past has been going for nearly three years. And starting out with somebody with no connections in the industry, building up from absolutely nothing, funding it by myself. Um, It grew into something that I never, ever, ever expected, and that's you are listening to this now. Um, So you're sat wherever you're sat, and you're listening to me here sat in a microphone talking to you. And I never honestly, I did not expect that. You know, I thought it would be like me and my mum, and that would be it. But you're not. You're. It's. You're not my mum. Well, you. You're my mum. But you. You're not. You see what I mean? Anyway. So the past podcast will no longer be ran as a business. So what does that mean? So basically, I am as of this point no longer taking any sponsorship or partnership contrib- financial contributions towards the podcast. So that means there will be no outlay on any new equipment, any new gear any travelling, any hosting, any of the associated costs that come along with that. Um, it's all going to be funded 100% myself. So you're thinking, ah, ha, 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 Monsieur Newbegin, you have won the lottery. No. Um, what it means is that basically there will be less and less and less podcasts. Um, because I work full-time and, you know, have a, and I always have alongside the podcast. So... It basically means that you're going to get a lot less of these. So it's up to you. You know, you're more than welcome at this point to unsubscribe and go to some of the incredible food podcasts that have started since since I began this journey. I mean, when I began this, I, I felt personally that there were literally zero podcasts that were solely dedicated to to talking about and talking to incredible chefs. There are now a few of those. Uh, and you're probably already subscribed to those, and you probably already prefer those to me. So that's fine. Um, so you can do that. That's absolutely fine. But if you don't want to, then what I would then just keep me because I'm not. You know, it's not taking up any any vital time of yours. It's not taking up any expandable energy. And I promise you, there will be uh, more chats. Um, I'm currently looking at February at Restaurant Yem in Hexham. And May in Hipping Hall to do two podcasts, which are Bob on Confirmed. Uh, I'm working on a couple more that I'd really like to do. Um, so, you know, that's there will be podcasts, but you will not get what you've got, what you've been used to up until now, which is a podcast every couple of weeks, because I simply can't afford it. And the other thing which I'm not going to do and never will do is set up a Patreon account um, because I don't believe in it. And I personally don't believe that you should pay for me to live out my fantasy. Um, That's just not cool. So it's going to be me doing it. I will do it as as often as I possibly can. Um, But, you know, the the thing which is more important now, actually, if you're going to stay with the show is to do things like 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 it, subscribe to it if you're not already, and write reviews, because that is the only way I will get any possible fervent out of doing this. So if you're listening to this now and you, it's either your first time or a few times and you start to like it. By the way, if this is your first time, these, in, these intros aren't normally this long. Um, but, you know, the, that's the most important thing now. So, that being said... This week's episode is with the incredibly talented Tony Parkin. So you will know that recently he took over at the incredibly just beautiful Tudor room within Great Foster's Hotel uh, in Egham near 
well it is it's henry the eighth's hunting lodge he told me that he might mention that on the on the podcast but it is it's that proper historic kind of part of the world it felt amazing being around there you see names like runny mead and you're like wow that's cool um and within what he pro- he says it better than me on the podcast but within something like four to five months tony parking at the tudor room gets a michelin star and that shows in his dedication in his honesty in his ability to step back and review things um both emotionally and non-emotionally and that was something that i really admired about him is that he is very very open-minded um to kind of criticize himself and be honest with himself about what he wants to achieve and i really really admired that about him this is a really brilliant chat i enjoy this chat a lot um and i hope you do too i'm sorry this has gone on longer than normal i promise when we do any more they won't be this long um but i did want to get that off my chest because i'm incredibly 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 proud of what the past podcast has achieved over the last couple of years um and i'm incredibly proud of every single guest that we have interviewed but the 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 important distinction now is the people that i will be going to nine times out of ten will be if i'm there to eat which which obviously again adds cost because i always pay you know that's another thing that whatever possible uh, with the exact with the you know exemplary of some occasions where you know people just will not allow me to pay which is incredibly kind i always 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 at least attempt at making some sort of payment so again it adds more cost on to me so that will be first one in in going forward after this one will be yem in february and that's one i'm really looking forward to so stick around if you want to and i promise you this is the channel where i will still get the best guests and that's not just me trying to be big-headed because i I hope that up until now you've you've listened to me and you know that i'm quite a humble guy i as a foodie genuinely believe i have had access to the very best guests that is possible for somebody of my level to get in fact i've broken what's possible let's face it but i genuinely believe having no prior industry connections that this podcast is where the best guests have been and i'm so proud of every single person that has ever been a guest on this show um and a lot of them i stay in touch with so i will make every attempt going forward to continue booking the same amazing level of guests and this episode is no exception this is a very very high level of guests that i'm booking here um mr tony parkin enjoy pulled up the front and obviously the M25 has been in there today as it probably normally <laughs> normally is at certain standard times. behaviour I wondered um, when the first time you saw this place and probably felt the same feeling as I did when you go wow yeah fucking hell it's big yeah when was the first time you came around here um, I actually got a show around um, by the previous chef and I remember he showed me around like the gardens and I actually remember sitting sitting out the back of a drink with him thinking fucking hell this is big and what really took me away was actually the amount of planes that were flying over the top because it's like really low flying aeroplanes and I was just like wow this is very grand and the gardens are stunning Um, massive property obviously and I think just because it's got a little bit of history being Henry VIII's hunting lodge Mm. it's just got a bit more quirkiness to it yeah it's such a unique property isn't it it's mental yeah I mean because it's um I think the thing I like about it is the fact is because of the the restaurant's so small mm. and then you've got all these grand corridors and then you just go off and you've got this little pocket almost and that's where we're beavering away doing what we're doing. Yeah. That, that's what really... I didn't realise it really. When you walk in, it's so grand. I didn't realise that this was just... Yeah, it's, like, it's like a secret, isn't it? Is, yeah, it's like a little little cupboard, isn't it? But yeah, no, it's, um, it's quite nice because in the evening you know that the, the guests that are coming in, they're sort of essentially shutting away from the rest of the hotel. Yeah. So when, when you've got weddings going on, there's people bowling around and it, it's nice. I think the intimacy of it all um, kind of sort of makes it even better. So was that a part of you being sort of pitched this project getting showed around or was it just a circumstance? No, I think it was circumstance and at the same time um, I really wanted to do something that was small. Mm. 
Um, I mean, a couple of things come up, and they were like 50 covers, 100 covers, which is great. But I think, I think like, doing this, a number as small as this, you can really pay attention to the details, although the food's really, I think, simple on the plate. There's a lot of work that goes into it. You can really concentrate on keeping it mm. um, uniformed. Um, but also at the same time is because you're not doing so much like big batches of stuff. Yeah, to, I mean, yeah, you can yeah. really concentrate on what you're doing and um, just working in a smaller team. So managing-wise, I don't really have to manage too many people, which is great because we kind of are... I know everyone says, oh, we're like a small family, etc. blah, blah, blah. I think it really is um, just a, a really small amount of people all trying to go for the same goal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And um, and that's what I think probably made this year so successful, especially for me. Well, yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll come on to that. I mean, but what I was going to say is there's a lot of times doing the podcast where I do wish it was a visual medium because yeah. I can't really... I've not I've been to lots of Michelin star restaurants, you know, but mm. there's few that I've been to that are this size yeah. here at the, at the Tudor Room, sat with Mr. Tony Parkin, who'd been here, we said, eight months. Yeah, eight months, yeah. And even then, that kitchen back there that you've just given me the tour yeah. around, I mean, it takes, what, five seconds to do yeah, it? Yeah, it's literally, yeah. That's mental. <laughs> was it a shock when you, when you saw it? Did you think that? No, because I've worked in a few small kitchens anyway. And I think because of the, all the different kitchens I've worked in through my career, you kind of learn to adapt to different ways um, of working in them. And I mean, although it's tiny, it's equipped mm. amazingly. Like, we've got mm. a phenomenal ethanol suite, which... Was, would be the only stove that I'd want to cook on anyway, really. Um, and everything's within hand distance, really. Do you know what I mean? You don't, you don't have to move very much, which is lovely, especially when you're doing so many... Because of serving all the tables as well, you don't really have to move as much around the kitchen, and everything's kind of within reaching distance to get it on the plate. And so the customer isn't being sacrificed. They're not taking ages doing it, and literally, like you saw, it's like two seconds and you're in the restaurant it's literally a a wall that separates you so that's great yeah that's that makes it even easier <laughs> was it um i wanted to ask you if, if you felt it was a big decision to you know put your name there with yeah. the tony parking at the tudor room yeah so i think the decision came about really because um i think it's like anything you start a new job it's really exciting and the restaurant was really successful before I even came. Like, you had a star, four mm-hmm. rosettes. Dougie, who was here before me, had done an absolutely amazing job. Um, and it wasn't the fact that I was, like, worried about stepping into someone else's shoes. It's just I didn't really feel like it's kind of your own. Yeah. As in your own personality yeah. in it. And I just thought it's just basically another chef taking over another restaurant. And it's like, Dougie, Dougie's very classically based as... as am I however we do cook in different ways mine's mm. probably a little bit simpler mm. um, and I don't know I just it's like you come in and you straight away feel like there, there's already a sort of um, sort of like a an agenda already set for the yeah, restaurant and I really completely wanted to yeah. fucking flip it on its head because I'm, I really do feel like when I go out to eat, and I eat out quite a lot, um, you're going out to chill out. You're not going out to feel, like, massively intimidated. And there was a kind of, I felt, a bit of stiffness, and I kind of wanted to relax it up a bit. Um, and then by putting my name on a door, it also showed, my, like, to the owners as well, is that I want to be here, like, a longevity mm. thing. Yeah, yeah, Do you know what I mean? And that was it. It was kind of like a rebrand of... I'm, I said to the owners, I know what I want to do. This is my game plan. Um, but I also want to see a bit of commitment from them as well. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Something from both parties, which they were like really happy about. Um, but also now it's because of being given full control of everything. It's kind of, you take as much pride in it. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if someone breaks a plate, I go fucking nuts. And that's not because it's my money. It's not my money. But it's the fact is that it's it's my essential restaurant and I want everyone to be served on the crockery we've got. Like, the crockery we've got is is bloody expensive. Yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? And it's just, I think, once you show that how much you care, it yeah, kind yeah. of filters down to everyone else. Like, um, I think you, you can go to some place and it's like, well, it's right, it's not my cash, so fuck it. And I'm definitely not like that. I think you've got to look at it. It's like, yeah, we use expensive ingredients, but we use absolutely everything. Mm. Like, um, I, like, I, like I said to you, I, I listened to Paul Prophets the other day, uh, podcast, and then when he mentioned, like, at Henna, they, they used a the whole beast. Um, I can't do that because we're so small. Um, however, everything that I do get in, like, is on the bone, I will use the whole lot. Do you know what I mean? But I won't get a whole deer in because, sure, yeah. because to you be honest. Got the space. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I haven't I've got been space. in there. You couldn't fit yeah, a deer absolutely. in there. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just kind of a bit of, by putting my name above the door, it's, it shows a bit of personal side to it. Yeah. I mean, and I absolutely love being here. And the boys, like, love the fact that it got the rebrand and um, the way we changed the service, the menu was changed to the way it was before but like I said that's that's my personality and that's yeah. my style that I wanted to do I didn't want yeah, it yeah. to be I didn't want a sommelier hovering around you giving you a dirty look because you just wanted to have I don't know a beer as an aperitif yeah. which I've kind of fizzled out because that that was in my opinion bringing a bit of stiffness to it and I wanted to get rid of that because I think it was obviously important for you and I get this impression that it had to be you had to work with someone that was willing to not just say it's your way or the highway, but like yeah. work with you to make it what your vision is. Yeah, and I think I think the good thing is is with the support of the GM Sandra, who's who's literally she started on the same day as me, and she's massively supported me throughout the journey so far. Um, and like like you said earlier on, to me it's like, it's a project, mm. and, and it's only, I mean it's not even been a year yet, yeah. and so much has happened. Like I said to you, like I'm ready to just switch off for a bit because it's been so intense and there's been so many changes like it's not it's not just about the restaurant it's like the fact that I, I fucking moved from Kent to mm. down the road which is alright because I, I know the area really well um, I moved away from my daughter yeah um, set up a new house with my missus um, changed the style of the restaurant changed the style of the food changed the style of the service uh, the menus evolve all the time not through the fact that I get bored or anything it's more the fact from from being highly seasonal I mean I, I know a lot of people banji on about it but literally I'll be on the phone to a supplier and be like right I want this how long have we got it for and it'll be like I don't know like three weeks and we'll get that on the plate for a couple of days like and then take it off again do you mm-hmm. know what I mean we'll buy things in small amounts sure um so the base of the dish will be there, but like for instance, we had like a turbot dish on, and Myla prawns came in, and straight away got them on the plate. But then when like my fish guy was like, "Well, they're they're getting a bit hard to get hold of," I'll just take off the menu again. And that's the unique thing with a restaurant this small; you can kind of manipulate the menu around it every day. And um, that's the way I've always wanted to cook. I've, I've never wanted to be like I want that dish on, and like there's dishes that have a core base, mm. and things change around them, like the sauces and the garnish. But I never wanted, like, I'm going to put that dish on and it's not going to change for the next four months. Because in this sort of restaurant where you are tasting menu, I just think it gets really fucking boring. Constantly regurgitating the same thing every day. And it's like, to keep longevity with the guys in the kitchen, they need to be seeing new stuff all the time. And I don't do it for the sakes of it. I mean, before a dish goes on, it can take, what, two, three weeks before we get it right. And then we're like, right, we'll go with it now. And, but it's also meant, I've got the team so involved in it they're enjoying it as well because the, they want to change stuff they don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again but nothing goes on the menu until it's completely right mm. I just go right I'm going to do this tonight because like on a whim because the balance has to be right there, there'll be times I, I want to order something they're like oh well, we can't get that today well, but we can get it in a couple of days and yeah it gets a bit annoying sometimes you're like oh, fucking hell I just want to put it on today <laughs> but you have to kind of yeah you have to be, adapt. Yeah, adapt and be patient. And that's the biggest thing with here is that it's adapting to the style of the service. I mean, again, going back to the name changes, there was obviously regular customers here. Mm. And I'm not going to lie, it was like a bit nerve-wracking because you're like, they've been coming here for a couple of years with Dougie's food and you're almost like, fuck, what are they going to think? Yeah. Because like one dish I had on, um, this still sticks out for me, this is my first service. And so I'd come in two weeks before. The, so the restaurant was closed when I started for yeah, two weeks yeah, because yeah, yeah. the guy's wrong, Easter holidays. And um, I put a dish on, which was, uh, so just a Jersey Royals just come in season. 
and it was a Jersey raw potato and we'd cooked it in a, a seaweed stock and peeled it and it was sat on a little uh, Jersey raw like soup there was like a little mint oil on top and then the Jersey roll just sat on top of it and then there was like a little roasted chicken skin crumb with some lemon thyme for it. Mm. Really nice dish. And the emphasis on that, like we all know, is, is on the potato. And um, I can still remember a guest that night who was actually a member of staff here at the time and I was literally laughing but fucking raging at the same time because the next day she decided she wanted to come and give me a bit of feedback on it which was like <laughs> kind of like it was the first service and I was going like, I don't want to fucking hear it and she says to me yeah that potato was really nice it tasted a bit too much like potato and I was like for fuck's sake <laughs> like, what is going on here and I, and I literally had to just turn away and walk away because I was like fucking hell <laughs> did you um did you have it? Did you have in your head then a list of like, right? These are the things that need to change, and in this order, you know, or was it just like natural? The the thing I looked at was because uh, essentially it was so much to take in to begin with. I came in with like a set menu, and I'd worked, remod- I'd modelled it on the old chef's menu, not not what he was doing, but like the way it was set out. Sure. And then um, as I was going through the first few weeks, I was like, a there's, we're holding too much stock of certain, certain dishes just wouldn't sell mm. I put scallops on as a starter alongside pigeon well you were selling like fucking two thirds of the restaurant were having scallops and the other third of the restaurant would have uh, I think it was monkfish I had on at the time it was like monkfish and the pigeon just never fucking went it just stayed there and it just and I was just like do you know what this is bullshit and I was like I'm holding the, the, the guys are getting these pigeons we're prepping them and just we're not shifting them so I actually changed it to, I made it a bigger menu, but you could still choose your first, essentially what would be your starter, your main course, and your dessert, except mm-hmm. I went, you can only choose two, 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 and then there's dishes in between, which you don't choose. Sure. Um, and the difference that made straight away was the boys weren't as much in the shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it was more controlled, but at the same time, it still means you have that sort of, nice thing about it not being a solid taste menu no choices where you just it's repetitive I mean I know there's restaurants out there that do that and for me it doesn't I personally I think it's fantastic and I've been to some amazing restaurants where it's like that but for me I get really bored really easily mm. and I'm a bit like fucking hell I can't like that dish over and over again starting to do my head in and even my, my sous chef Tim said the same thing to me the other night actually we were on our way home he said it's like nice that we do it like that because in service you can get a bit fruity <laughs> um, but it's still only two dishes to worry about do you know what I mean yeah well, it, I find it a really fascinating time the stage you're at because mm. to me it's like I, I see you and obviously we speak a lot over, yeah. over Instagram and social and I think right, this is you now young lad still yeah till tomorrow it's my birthday tomorrow actually. is it 36 oh, tomorrow happy birthday thanks mate and um, you're sussing out right yeah but here from what you're saying it sounds like you're quite objective about it right mm. but I wonder now it's your name and it's your food and it's your yeah. style is it hard to not get emotional if you found a dish and you're like this is banging this is me yeah and uh, it's not shifting or it's not selling yeah or... oh, fuck it. to be honest the way I look at it is I because it's more of a chef, almost like a chef patron role, I'm not looking at just what I'm cooking in the kitchen, right? Mm. This is one thing, and it was something that I... I actually heard Brett Graham talk about years ago. And I fucking sat there, and I was like, fucking hell, that's like... It's got a really good point. Mm. Is It's my name above the door. It's my style of food. It's my cooking. However, the most important thing in here is the team and the customers. Yeah. yeah. And... This is something that we've we've really changed. Is that I get um, people in here that just want to come for lunch. People that are here that might be like, and I know this as well. It's like they've had their first child. It's their first date night, or since they've had a kid, and it's yeah, a big fucking yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? When you're going through like when you just had a kid and it's it's fucking carnage, and you finally get that night where you're like your mum and dad are going to look after and babysit, and you can go out for dinner, and you have to like look into everyone's needs like some people don't give a shit what you're serving they really don't they just come and, and to be fair you get like in an evening probably about a third of the restaurant they're just like just serve my food fuck off mate and then you get the rest of them that are really want to know the provenance of like your ingredients um, 
and really want to know what's going on or like massively into food and you get bloggers and you get other chefs come in you just got to judge their needs yeah. and that's really important and that was something Brett Graham said about the Ledbury and I thought fucking hell that's really true and it's something that as I've got older or you could be really egotistic as my name is on the door and what we're serving but you don't well, I don't think the team do and I don't because at the end of the day we've still got a job to do which is you're essentially cooking for people mm. do I want to be at the top of my game? absolutely mm. but I don't I don't put anything on the menu that I'm like, fucking hell, this is, I'm doing this to be chef-y. Like, that's why I don't tell any guests like when we serve the dishes like about how we cook it, um, what, what the technique that's gone into it. Because to be honest, who gives a fuck? Do you know what I mean? Like, if I, I'm, the way I always look at it, if I put my mum and dad in this restaurant and I sat there and I said, right, what we've done here is well, we've made this and we've filtered it like this and we've done this and this. My mum and dad wouldn't have a fucking clue what I was on a power. <laughs> They'd literally just be like, oh, right, so what have we got here then? And I'd be like, it's beetroot, but it doesn't look like a beetroot. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I think sometimes it's like, you can get a bit egotistic and go on about, oh, we're, we're fucking doing it like this and we're cooking it at this temperature and no one gives a shit. They don't, really. <laughs> Let's be honest with you. Like, I, they do care if it tastes good. Yeah, but yeah. that's the main thing, is that the ingredients we're using are the top that we can get hold of. Like, I do not, because of the price of the menu... I think sometimes, and most chefs will probably turn around and say, shut up, not bad. But I, I don't feel that if you come here and you spend £100 on a menu, you should come here and I'll give you like pork belly. Hmm. Not saying there's anything wrong with it, there absolutely isn't. It's just that most, I'd probably say about 95% of the people that come here, it's an occasion restaurant. Hmm. Or they're staying in the hotel and they've booked it. It is it's, a destination, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like, even though it's quite... Yeah, you know, close to London. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, is, I've though. had I've had customers that have flown in from Copenhagen. And I had some guests the other week who were brilliant, and they were like massively into food. And they flew over, and um, they're here for like one night to eat here, and then go to London the next day. And the next day they were going to court. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, so, you're like, so then you've you're got like, yeah, fucking serious foodies, which is good. And I think, like I said, it's I have nothing wrong with put, like eating pork belly or serving pork belly. I just personally don't think it suits the restaurant because. I'd rather give them a really good piece of, like, Herdwick lamb mm. or something like that, just because I think they wouldn't be able to go out and get that down the butchers. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's the way we kind of base something. There, there are a lot of prime ingredients on there, don't get me wrong. Mm. Um, but then everything around it isn't. Do you know what I mean? Right. So, like, the first three courses are all vegetables, but then you'll have, like, a piece of turbot. And sure, then sure. if I get a piece of turbot, you'll get a decent sized piece of turbot don't fuck around and it's the same with like the meat like the the venison we're using is a really really high quality venison from Cumbria and then we'll have it salt aged and the flavour on it is amazing but yeah I, I kind of really emphasise on three courses you'll get a primary meat like a scallop or mm. a really nice langoustine I just think that's Imperative to what we're doing, especially mm. in here. You're in such a grand building, and I don't want to give you like a cube of pork belly as a, a starter. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, I'd yeah. rather give you a big fat fucking scallop. But then I can still work, manipulate that within my menu for price wise and margins and stuff like that. For from a business point of view, mm. is that everything around it is there's a lot of technique in it because it's just vegetables and stuff like that, which just shows that I'm not just coming here and going right. I'm going to fucking load everything with truffle and prime ingredients because I can do the other bits, which is just like. I don't want to say the word snacks because I hate it. But like your first few course, few courses, the smaller ones, are all vegetable based. Yeah. And I think that's like imperative in what we're doing. So you're not unlike any other guest. You are going to give us five dishes that I, I think am, you've got yeah. written down in front of you. How did you go about choosing them and what's your first dish? This is a fucking nightmare actually. Because I was trying to think about it like food memory wise and... Like I said to you earlier on, is the the thing is is that compared to the guys that I've got in the kitchen now, younger guys, they're they're paid really well. Um, they don't work the hours I used to do when I was their age, and they go and eat out a lot more. Do you know what I mean? I think everything is kind of a lot more. There's a lot more really high quality restaurants that are cheaper these days. Like mm. when when I was like kind of going through, like I remember having this like vile experience where I went to. The Tom Aiken, Tom Aikens when it, the original Tom Aikens, yeah. And the meal was like amazing, but I remember going there at the age of like I think I was like twenty, and just being the most intimidated 
ever. And I remember walking in, they were like, you can't come in because you haven't got your right shoes on. And I was like, what? And it was really weird. And that sort of, like, for me, affected my experience there. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I can actually... I can remember some of the dishes, but I couldn't actually remember, like, my meal experience. Because I remember feeling, like, sitting at the table feeling really nervous and feeling really awkward. Because yeah. straight away, that's the way it made me feel. But the dishes I've gone through today are stuff that's come about probably later on in my career. Where probably when now, because I eat out more. I sure, earn sure, sure. more money now. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first one, there's two of them, actually. And they all co- coincide with where I was working at the time. So, it was a langoustine, and it wasn't actually a plate of food I had. It wasn't a dish, right? It was, I was working at North Cope Manor at the time and it was the Obsessions Week, yeah. right? And this is like fucking years ago. I was looking at the other day, it must have been like 15 years ago, right? And it was actually Sat Baines was there. Right. And Sat Baines, okay. as you know, is quite a big powerhouse in the kitchen. I remember I was like on the source, it was like lunch service and him and John Freeman had come in and I was quite young at the time. And um, he was going through his menu and he literally just turned around to me and I was kind of like taken back by it because it was straight away I was just a bit like, God, this guy's a fucking god. And I'm just like on <laughs> stirring some vegetables ready to dress a plate. <laughs> and um, he just handed me this langoustine. And the langoustine was wrapped in lardo. Mm. And what he'd done is he'd taken this langoustine, so it's an amazing quality langoustine. He'd been wrapped in lardo and then I think, if I can remember rightly, I think he just quickly deep fried it really quickly gave it to me in my hand and then just came over with this passion fruit just fucking squeezed it over the top of it and he went eat that and I was like right and then he said can you get it he goes salty sweet sour and I was like fucking hell and I was kind of just looking at him just like fucking passion fruit juice all over <laughs> my hand and I just looked at him and I was just like I didn't know what to think yeah, because yeah. I think back then I was, I was kind of like not where I'm now where you, you have ideas I was kind of like learning my craft sure. do you know what I mean and I was kind of just like looking at this guy like I don't know what the fuck how old were you at this time uh, 20 like early 20s yeah okay yeah. and uh, I just remember by being like fucking hell because I'd never experienced anything like this before do you know what I mean and Sat yeah, was yeah. obviously he was a he was a one star restaurant then he was just coming through as like he was obviously a lot very different to everywhere else do you know what I mean and I just remember I can still remember the dishes that he was doing for the actual obsessions because he had a beef dish on which was um I remember him getting the box out and it was just like covered in mold because I'd never seen anything like this before. And it was like this, this aged sirloin and it was stinking and he was like waving it in my face and I was like, wow. <laughs> and, um, and then he had this um, scallop dish with like the, the textures of cauliflower and stuff like that. And I just remember being like, this guy's fucking amazing like, at the time. Yeah. But I just remember that, that really stuck out for me because first of all, I think I was really taken back by... There was quite a few years in the kitchen. You're just kind of a bit like, well, I'm just a CDP, just standing yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next minute you've got like this, this god of cookery, like just go and take that. <laughs> so will this be one of your first jobs at like a Michelin level? No, uh, no, it was my so it was my third. Wow. So I'd, okay. already, I'd already worked at the vineyard at that point. I'd just I'd just come back from Denmark. Wow. Yeah. So you started quite young then. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah. So what what got you interested in? What made you think that that's what the avenue you wanted to explore then? Sixteen year old. Um, yeah. I don't know. I I kind of had this. My both my parents were trained chefs. Right. My, my okay. dad my dad worked at Claridge's. My dad got out of the trade because he was working like six days a week, long days. Um, and they just had my older sister. Right. And I think it was just too hard, and he wasn't earning a lot of money then. Uh, mm. He jacked in, and my mum obviously just didn't. It didn't evolve into a career for her because she had all three of us by the age of twenty five. Right. 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 Okay. Cranked them out. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> I think that might stem from it. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to go through the whole, oh, I sat on my nan's leg and like need like podding peas. It was no bullshit like that. It was just something that I think we, we used to eat out, not a lot, but my mum used to cook quite sure. I mean, she cook all the time and still we used to eat as a family regardless. Um, but I think I just had an interest in it and it was something that as I was getting older, I was like, I remember being at school and they were like, right, well, well you need to start applying for college and stuff like that. And I was like, sake what do I want to do and um, I think I just got a, I got an apprentice magazine and then that was it that was I kind of thought oh fuck it and I did it and it just <laughs> happened yeah and I was just quite lucky like I landed in a good place which yeah. just yeah and it kind of evolved from there but 
it wasn't something I'd say I I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say I was as passionate about it as I was towards the latter part of my career. I sort of like just I wouldn't say plodded. Like I always knew there was a standard, and I, I was obsessed with like the the Michelin Guide at that point in time. Yeah, and, yeah. and Boiling Point was out. It was like fucking. I remember I used to come home from work and watch Boiling Point, and just think, wow, this is like mental. Um, and it was something that was really exciting at the time. And I think Gordon, although you had like the Marco thing, Gordon was more my era. Like, yeah, when yeah, he was yeah. just coming through, so it was like that was getting like cooking was becoming really exciting. I think um, everybody's got theirs, doesn't they? Mine was Marcus Waring, you know, yeah. Jason Atherton that year, Great British Menu. Yeah. Every every foodie that I speak to, they've got that one or two that was just that right and time. I think, yeah, and it was. I just remember like watching Boiling Point, and um, I think it was actually beyond Boiling Point because it was like two thousand, so it had mm. been about right. And um, I just remember like looking and thinking, this is so fucking cool. And then the reality of it, it isn't so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you do, you think it's like going to be fucking mad and people screaming and shouting. And yeah, they do. Um, but yeah, no, I just remember like North Coast always got a bit of a, a big part for me because, which will lead into the next dish, um, was, it, I don't think it's until the later part of my career, the latter part, uh, especially like now I look back at it and... Like when Nigel Harris used to walk into the kitchen, you'd be like, Yeah, the guy's a fucking god, he's yeah. a big old beast as yeah. well. Do you know what I mean? Um, and the food that we were doing there, that probably at the time you were looking at, it, you're like, Yeah, it's quite safe, but from an eating point of view, phenomenal. Do you know what mm. I mean? And like, really fucking cool. Well, and let's like, have let's have that dish. So, that's... that dish is actually, which at the time I was like, All right, okay, and it's uh, Nigel Harris' infamous Lancashire hot pot. Wow, yeah, right. So we're talking about not the the deconstructed one we used to do for a starter. I mean, the full-blown fucking beast yeah. that we used to serve for dinner, right? And for me, the reason that's such a big dish was the fact that the guy's got the bollocks, which I didn't, until later on in my career, like look back and think, fuck me, like, that's some proper bollocks. There. 100%. To put that dish on, which was um, some amazing lamb that you see get sourced, um... It was the type of onion he used to use, the potatoes, the garnish that went with it. Yeah. And the fact that it was like 24 hours in advance, you'd order it. But it was for me, the way that was such a big deal was the fact that Nigel spent the time to show me how to make it. And I'd yeah. still fucking make it now. Like, I was talking to Mark Birch not long ago and he was saying, like, he's got no issue in serving it because it is such a fucking belter. And it is actually so simple to make. Um, but it was just the quality of ingredient. And that's what I don't think... I realised at the time until yeah. as I grew up you were like Jesus Christ for, to put that on and it was all about you think all those years ago about the sourcing of the ingredient it was that you would change the type of potatoes during the seasons the onions the lamb the different cuts it would use the way you'd make it and that was something really inspirational about Nigel that as I got older I looked back at and I think like there were days where he'd be like well, are you going on a break and you'd be like thinking fuck especially over the Christmas period where we were really busy and you're like, oh, I'm going to get a break. And then you'd be like, oh, I'm going to show you how to make this sauce. And you'd be like, back then, I was like, fuck's sake. <laughs> Whereas now, I still make the sauce exactly the same way Nigel taught me. Like, yeah. from all the places I've worked at and all the ways that you go through, sure. I still go back to the method that Nigel Howe showed me how to make a pork sauce or a lamb sauce. Or I've adjusted a little bit, but yeah. the same principles, which is mad compared to, like, what? Yeah. What, 15 years on? I still do Nigel Howe's way of doing it. I still, if I do pickled red cabbage, I'd still do it Nigel Howe's way. I know there's a, I know there's an obvious one recently, maybe around October, maybe. But I wonder if there was an event where, or a moment where you realised that you did have an aptitude for being a chef and you did have the ability to, you know, push on and take it to those next levels. <laughs> uh, I think it more came out of frustration. Um, I, I felt not that I was coming up with loads of ideas or whatever I just thought like I can be better and better and better and I, a lot of the time and which has been a very frustrating part of I'd say my career again later on is I've always felt like I've been a little bit held back and I've adjusted to things and I've kind of been like one day it will happen and I'll be able to like break the chains and go off and do and mm. do you know what I mean because it, yeah, yeah, yeah. it got to a stage that I was like Although I'm quite young, I'm always like I've been cooking for quite a long time. Yeah, and I was getting fucking frustrated. I was like, I just want to do this like this, and you've always got someone to go, oh yeah, but I think it needs that, and you're like, well, I fucking don't, right? And and I got to the stage I was at that age that I was like, right, I want to 
I want to be able to put something on a plate and not have someone say to me like mm, maybe it needs a bit of that and that was a yeah. frustration yeah 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 and that that's come on relatively recently yeah is that I guess that's why this has probably been so important to you massively yeah and especially um, again what we're talking about we're having your name and your yeah because it's kind of you. it's like I always say to them if, if they fuck something up um, it's like I always say to them at the end of the day it's it's not you're not, it's you're not, not Josh. Above yeah, and yeah. without sounding pretentious, that is the truth. Like people are like, if they think I've it's heard just, it a lot, a know. lot through this, and it is, it's true because people are straight away like, well, that was shit. That, but that's the that's the best thing about this place is absolutely nothing can get out through that door without me seeing it yeah. or tasting it. I mean, it goes back to some um, having everything tested, tasted. Do you know what I mean nothing will get fucking out of that door? And don't get me wrong, there was something that happened the other day that I got a tester in the morning, and I was like, "Absolutely fucking not! Start that again! Like, there's no way that is going out." And there was someone trying to blag something, not not my boys, but um, I said to them, "I was like, absolutely not." So you have to redo it, and that's the good thing is that absolutely mm. nothing will leave this restaurant without me seeing it or tasting it. Well, should we should we address the star in the room then? Yeah, do you like? Do you want to? Do you want to uh, come on to it? Or? Chanty, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one. <laughs> Has it sunk in? It's it's a really hard one because it was it was a fucking it probably drove me to being the most stressed man in Britain, <laughs> not because of I had a lot of pressure on my shoulders, basically mainly probably because of myself. Mm. Put a lot on myself. Um, I'm confident in my ability. I'm confident in what I put on a plate. Um, and I kind of wanted to give uh, probably the finger up to a few people, which is honest. It's like, do you know what? Uh, I've been in a few places where you kind of retain the star, um, but you've always been the person behind someone. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I kind of a bit like, do you know what? I know what I can do. Um, I thought I thought that yeah. even from a bystander I thought not like not meeting you yet I thought that's going to be massively important to him yeah like, it's him that's yeah but it. also you're in a location where the restaurant's had a star yeah before and that's pressure and I didn't want to be that I didn't want to be that person who's like oh you just retained a star because I think Michelin have been really good in the way they've said like because there will be chefs who are out there just going we've just retained it well that's no fucking different to winning one do you know what I mean like the food that I'm serving now is a complete opposite to what Dougie was doing. Yeah. I mean, I ate it when Dougie was cooking here before I started, and it mm. was fucking amazing. Like, really, really good. Um, and that was the nice thing about the day. That's why it was kind of, for me, it was kind of a bit of a... bittersweet, because mm. you're kind of like... I got to go on that stage, nervous as shit. <laughs> a bit of a mental speech. Um... I was fucking proud. No, no, only because it's like so you the, be. the amount of time that I've been in the trades and I've worked my nuts off and I've been in some shit positions. Seriously, like fucking down. Not from a mental health perspective, but I've I fucking have had a bit of a tasty, mm. tasty career. Like I've hit drugs hard and stuff like that. And and for me, I, I had to get out of a point where I was in a really, really shit point in my career. Where I was like fuck I don't know what I'm going to do and I've come back fighting and it's like that day was massive for me from A for the restaurant mm. B for the boys I mean they fucking slogged it out do you know what I mean and it's been hard for them as well because they've had to adjust from yeah. what they were doing before to someone else coming in and going right we're doing it like this and they've been amazing right but it's been brilliant for the hotel like you don't. I haven't cooked for accolades. I, I, I was not aware of one inspection that I had. That, that's completely true. I mean, like some chefs, you, you can. I didn't have a fucking clue. I really didn't until I got the phone call. The first one where they were, um, it was announced. Um, I didn't have a fucking clue they were in the restaurant. And um, the other ones which I think I had multiple other inspections I didn't have a fucking clue which is even better because which is a lot in the say, space of four or five months at that point yeah, well that, it was four months yeah. we worked it out that from the time that I started and opened the restaurant to the time that we went on our summer holiday when they were wrapping up the guide it was four months yeah 
So on, although on the in the October when I said on stage like I've only been there five months, essentially I got assessed in four. Yeah, which which is a lot. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't think I was gonna do it. Yeah, and the boys didn't think we were gonna do it, and I just said it was shit. Like I was just like I don't think we're, it's too tight. Mm. And you, although you're kind of like, well, if we don't get it, it's fine. There's always next year. That sounds fantastic, saying it from like that. But around here, when you've got the likes of Cowf Park, you've got uh, Matt Woswick at the Latme, mm. you've got Sorrel. Yeah. Um, who's going to go to a fine dining restaurant and drop £100 on a taste menu on a non-accolated restaurant? Essentially, because yeah, the rosettes yeah. got suspended as well, so yeah, it's like yeah, it would have yeah. been complete, when you've got them. Blank and from sheet, a business yeah. point of view, I was like, "Fuck, I am a little bit worried." Yeah, rightly so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean I was like, "Fuck me," because then all that's going to happen is you end up doing like two for lunch, <laughs> and I'm like, and then maybe four for dinner, and it's gone the opposite. Yeah. Luckily, <laughs> thank fuck. Let's have your third dish. Okay, so this isn't actually a dish; it was actually an experience, and that was. Uh, so October a year, it would have been a year ago just over a year ago I went to Moore Hall yes. and for me um, the reason I couldn't pick a dish is because they were also fucking faultless I agree um, I don't think I've ever been I've eaten out a lot but I don't think it's more of a memory wise I can still remember walking out that door the next day really hung over thinking <laughs> I could fucking do that again tonight yeah 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 and I've booked in to go next Easter Nice. Because I don't think I've ever experienced something where, um, I mean, I know Mark, so we obviously got looked after, but it wasn't just me. You could see everyone getting looked after. From the moment you walk through that door. I agree. In the afternoon, right the way through dinner, all the way to the point where you go to bed and the next morning, it was just fucking mind-blowing. I'm sure Mark will disagree, but to me, I told him that that place was two stars since it opened its doors. Yeah. And, you know, he I mean, I, level, I went, he? yeah, I went, the actual, so he got the second star on the Monday. I was at the Michelin ceremony on the Monday and he got the second star and I was booked in on the Saturday because hmm. it was my missus's birthday present. Yeah. I interviewed him two days before he went down. And it so was. So, yeah, we tail-ended him. Fucking <laughs> mind-blowing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think from from everything from the charcuterie to the dishes, and I can just I can remember like I, I don't remember ever having an experience where I couldn't stop looking at my missus and smiling, thinking this is so fucking good, like the <laughs> carrot dish, like with the Dobbinson yeah. cheese. I just remember it being fucking hell because the the, the the ingredients you're using and the extraction of flavour and everything was just fucking mind numbing. Something I wanted to come on to is about you, and you've already said it, but when you came in, another thing is that acceptance of change, isn't it? Of you, was that was it better than you were expecting? Were you expecting them to be a little bit like kind of you know, what the staffing? Yeah, no, it's horrendous. It was um, people. Some people don't like change. Hmm. The staff in the kitchen were absolutely fine with like changing. Um, I don't think they thought it was going to be as easy as it was I'm not well it wasn't easy but I mean I wasn't I don't have a, a need to run around like barking at people and running after them because they literally just, yeah, they yeah, just yeah. we all work quite well together um, but I, the main issue I had was front of house right people don't like change um, and I went through front of house it's it's the uh, people don't like change and I found it really difficult when I was trying to explain to them right I don't want it done like this I want to and they almost, there was definitely three of them. They were very much like, well, this is how we do it. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want it done like that. And they they can adjust to it. Hence the reason it didn't last very long. Right. And that was, uh, it was actually the choice for me to start, um, get the guys to run the food and myself running the food and explain to the guests, which was kind of a bit accidental because what actually yeah. happened was we went on a summer holiday, came back and they'd all left apart from one. <laughs> And I remember the oh, oh it's a fucking nightmare. And I remember um, <laughs> I remember looking at the head waitress's face, and she just looked at me, and was like, "They're not coming back. They've all gone back to France, and they've stayed there." And I was like, "You're joking." And she was like, "No." And I was like, "All right, how many have we got in tonight?" She's like, "We're full." <clears throat> and I was like, "Okay, don't worry." And that's the way I've always tried to be. I've always tried to like sort yeah, of de-stress yeah. them all. And 
the best thing, one of the best things is, is that my sous chef, Tim, used to work at the pass with Macculin. So he fucking knows how to do it. Sure. I mean, he's like wicked with the guests. And we basically said, right, that's what we're going to have to do. And that's what we've done. And it's not changed. I mean, I've got minimal front of house staff and the guys all run the food. And that was basically to... Um, it was an accident. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, but then the interesting thing, when you look at it, it makes sense. It as does. Well. And also, to be honest, we can all stand there and get the hump. I was literally, we just got back off holiday and it happened. And I just thought, we can all stand, stress out, get the fucking hump on, and go, oh God, like this is going to happen. And the way that we've all been is rather than stand there, piss and moan, it's just get on with it. Mm. Because there's enough people doing that. And I was like, I don't want the, the guests in the restaurant being affected because. Do you know what I mean? That, that this has happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I said earlier on, some of these people could have saved up for months or they've flown in or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of like nothing's happened, we just carry on. Yeah, and it's, go on. And it hasn't changed since and it's probably been the best thing about the restaurant that I've done because it takes that guest experience up again. Obviously, like I said to you earlier on, you need to judge the, um, the clientele. Mm. But essentially, it just makes it easiest for us because it gets to that point where rather than standing there and like, thinking, oh, I need to get this dish out, I need to get the dish out. Like, I don't even have to ask them, they're gone. Like, I turn around and the boys are, like, in the restaurant or yeah. giving me the sauce, like, right, go to that table. So we, we now orchestrate service. There's not a restaurant manager as such that goes, oh, I have someone in that position that manages the bookings, greets the guests, explains the menu, takes the order, etc. But then the rest of it is run by us, which was, when I first came here, it was all done, like, on a system and on the board and it's, like, timings everywhere. And I was like, that needs to go because I'll run it and that's that's another thing is with taking full control of the restaurant is that we run the service so we're not dictated to as like obviously we timing wise in between yeah. courses we, we completely look at that um, but then at the same time as we're not dictated to on, I was thinking that as you are saying it, I was thinking it's control isn't it it's giving you a greater control yeah but also because the, like, the restaurant's so small if say Tim comes out here and he dresses a di- uh, he sources a dish he'll come back in and go by the way just let you know table three are finished on that so yeah because you can see yeah. Yeah. so it's just been the best thing ever out of something but it's great for the boys in the kitchen as well yeah the only thing that wasn't great was that originally the kitchen was all shut off you couldn't get out mm. and so what we used to have to do is like literally jump over the pass <laughs> run out jump back over again that got a little bit annoying <laughs> but then after a month they, they cut it all up and had it redone so but it, that used to be it. making changes as oh, only you can no, man, it's just like, that, that was the, but the one thing I did find is that like I said to you earlier on is doing a Saturday night service which you always think oh it's it's hard enough as it is mm. doing that and then running the tables like you're fucked it's probably not something you'd really done no never really point, like only when so, I was at Noma um, but you wouldn't do like pretty much every table mm. do you know what I mean you did like one or two but like we're doing every table every table gets like max, including like petty fours and stuff it's like 10, 10 trips to a table essentially and um, yeah. it's a way to burn off by the end of the fucked <laughs> like, the, like, cause it, the problem is is the waiting staff I've got now they fucking love it because they just stand there watching you run around so they're all like oh, I'm just going to top his water up and then just have a little laugh and then just like put their bread on the table I've actually said next year um because my brain's so frazzled from this year and I was like it wasn't a case of just getting through it was like watching it and how obviously as like I said as a project want to progress it it was more the fact of what can we do next year sure. to make it better and I've actually said I want the front of house to do a little bit more um, yeah. with explaining the dishes not not all of them but like one or two dishes because it did get to a stage where it's like the chefs are doing everything mm. and they kind of just stand there looking at you and it almost feels like, and it has done more so now, is that they kind of, they're not as on the ball because they don't do as much. Right. And that's something I had to address. And I was sure. like, actually, it's kind of, you lot are getting a bit lax. And I mean, they're not even making as many teas and coffees for us in the kitchen anymore as they used to. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're like fucking completely kicking back. Um, and that's something I really like for the new year. But it's, it's all like baby steps at the moment. And I mean, especially after, after the start. Mm. It was kind of not like absolutely nowhere where we were like, oh, that's it, we've done it now, we're just going to chill out. No, It was yeah. fucking absolutely the complete polar opposite because it went fucking mental. 
I feel like this is the start for you now. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. This year, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm kind of looking forward to this year finishing because it's been mentally draining. Mm. Um, it's a lot to have done, isn't it? Really. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I think I'm more mentally tired than I'm physically because the changes that have happened so quickly and what's been achieved in such a quick time. It's yeah, yeah. fucking mad. It is madness. I mean, I looked at uh, Jordan Bailey's face when he got two <laughs> starts, and you think he got two starts in four months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which must have been like a sledgehammer to the face. <laughs> yeah. Um, Brain over the, yeah, over but the walls. Everywhere. That was that was another really amazing thing about the Michelin revelation this year was that uh, I saw a number of my friends achieve. Well, I was going to come on to that. Can I have your fourth dish? And I was going to ask you. Yeah, so my fourth dish fourth. is... A dish I had recently at the greenhouse in Dublin, which was the whole meal was fucking belting. But it was uh, one thing I really like about Mikel's food is it, he's very like very similar. Oh, I suppose I'm quite similar to him in um, the cooking aspects or ingredients. So he's he's a bit like OTT on the truffle and stuff like that, which is fucking great. But I had a turbot <laughs> dish there, and it was from a massive, massive turbot. And it was sat on a tapioca, cauliflower tapioca, and there was a truffle puree on it. And then it had a truffle jelly on top, um, a caramelised um, Helena Wood mushroom, and then he went absolutely to town on the Perigo truffle on top. Nice. And that is just an indulgent piece of filth. It was the most stunning, visually <laughs> stunning dish ever, but that was, like, as far as, I suppose, French haute cuisine goes, that was like, fucking hell. Yeah, well, so we were gonna, I was going to ask you. So the nearest we came to meeting was when you were at Al Camilla in Nottingham. That's right, yeah, yeah. And that was the closest we came because we've been desperate yeah, to do yeah, this yeah. for a long time, really. And obviously I noticed this year that a good friend of yours, Alex Bond, who's also been on the podcast, yeah. you got it together. So did that make it doubly yeah, special? Yeah, that and also um, it was really funny, actually, because uh, there's a kind of like a, had a group chat and they, everyone was like, have you got an invite? Have you got an invite? Everyone was like, fucking no, no, yes, yes. I got my invite the Friday yeah. at half 12. Yeah. And there's a hilarious picture that, that I didn't realise the boys were just watching me because I was like just pacing the kitchen. And then I was just <laughs> stood there just like losing my shit. <laughs> and um, then well, I can't remember what happened. Oh, that was it. We were getting set for services. I I'd, I'd got the I got the invite and um, I said to, to Alex, like, yeah, it's how oh, no. You're in. Well, I said I've got an invite. I don't know what it means. But you're thinking. Yeah, and then I got this <laughs> fucking picture message of Alex stood there with a, a, a star. Yeah, because they did it really differently. They did, yeah, the day, uh, the weekend before. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was in the cinema and someone was texting me going, something's happening there. Did he, face, he FaceTimed me and he went, I've got a fucking star. And I was like, how the fuck do you know that? And he went, because they've just come in, had lunch, and then just. And I was like, fucking hell, that's mental. And I've seen Alex's journey from um, when Alex was basically helping me at the Wild Rabbit when I was a private chef for the Bamfords. Yeah. Um, and he used to basically work through the week so I could have a day off or a couple of days off and then he would I have the weekends off. And I've seen his journey from the pop-ups right way through to what he is now. And it's, yeah. that guy's fucking like phenomenal. Like the just the, the journey he's had, you couldn't, I was so happy when I got a phone yeah. call for for him, like because he's amazing. Because he's like just a classic case of going from a dream, and then I remember him showing me pictures of a site that originally he was going to go for, which was in a car park, and then right the way up to the actual star. Yeah, yeah. it was great because we got we had a like, obviously on stage together. Yeah, it was fucking great. Really, really. I cool. did. I thought that at the time. I thought that must be so cool because you've known each other for so long. And yeah, these you know, your closest friend yeah. in the industry, isn't he? Yeah. And, well, there's a few Gareth of them. Yeah, Ford, Gareth. Yeah. And I just thought it's so great now because there's three of you that I know all individually as well. That yeah, and I think I think the fact to do it on the same uh, it happened on the same day as well. It was just like because he, fate, yeah, yeah. Like Alex knows my journey as well, and um, he's obviously been on the end of the phone with my frustrations and and yeah, to do that and see Alex do it, and then um, Ben, who was at Stark, he got star this year as well. Yeah, which is fucking great. Mikel getting two stars. Yeah. Niall getting two stars because yeah. obviously I followed. I did a uh, guest dinner with Niall at Watley Manor, so I've seen that guys. And me and Niall were actually in Barcelona the month before. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was just it was a really good day just to see guys that 
you know that are fucking grafted. I mean, mm. like Niall, Niall got two stars for a reason because Niall's number one fucking talented. Um, but he's got his head on his shoulders and he's so customer based as well. Like mm. when you talk to him, like he, he doesn't fuck about. And that's and and again, like someone like Miko, Miko's an absolute workhorse. Like, and you see what he does, and that's not a guy that does it to be like make his life easy. Do you know what I mean? His food's like it's complex essentially do you know what mm-hmm. I mean and when you look at the guy he's at, like you saw the emotion on his face when he went up, yeah, up there yeah, like yeah. he was fucking going nuts and then I was out <laughs> on the razz with him in the evening <laughs> it was messy so before I get your last dish yeah. I used to ask for tips but what I might start to ask is maybe the biggest thing that you've learned over your career that you feel has like helped you in certain ways is there something that you feel like you've you know what your biggest takeaway so far to date has been um, I think just mainly it sounds a bit gay but it's, I probably can't say that um, <laughs> I think you've just literally you've got to believe in yourself and you've actually kind of got to just ignore what a lot of people like, people will slack you off people people not everyone's going to like you do you know what I mean so what I think it's just you, you get your head down and you plough and do what you want everyone the, the, the trade's a bit bitchy do you know what I mean people don't agree with, I think as long as you've got an aim, a goal and you 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 believe in yourself and you and you push and you work hard um, I mean I'm in a point where I couldn't give a shit what people think of me mm. I really couldn't um, and that's because I've got a great bunch of boys um, we're cooking obviously at the top of our game do you know what I mean and it's and it's not and none of it's been easy it's been an emotional roller coaster and but I think as long as you, you stay true to what you actually want to do mm. um, and you you set that goal out it does happen do you know what I mean it's like I I've always like been in a position where I know I've got the ability to achieve what I want to achieve, and and I, and I feel like, like you said, this year is just the start of it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And if, to achieve that in such a short amount of time, that's not from just sitting around and dictating to people like, Definitely. oh, I want it like this, and not mm. doing anything. Do you know what I mean? I was like, I, I slog out as much as these guys do, mm. um, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Let's have your last dish, and there's but every guest you have to choose which of the five you would choose as your favourite so let's have your fifth and your favourite okay my fifth dish is by a very good friend of mine my best mate Gareth Ward which was uh, his duck dish which he did on MasterChef recently actually and that dish was it was a long overdue visit and I went uh, actually what this is it's still again a bit of a funny one because I went for dinner at Gareth's with my missus and we left and this was the one dish that they were. It was a phenomenal meal. It was absolutely phenomenal. But it was the the, the duck dish, the Ellsbury duck with the the hoisin sauce and the cucumber, yeah, and the spring oil, uh, spring onion oil. And it was really funny because on um, Master, if you said some people say it tastes like the mm. actual pancakes involved as well, and that's one thing that when I ate it, I was like, "Fuck it, this is like ludicrous. This is so good." <laughs> and I remember looking at my missus just laughing because I was like, "This is fucking good." And that's quite nice, I think, sometimes when you go out for dinner and you laugh and you're like, fuck, you know, because it is that good. Um, but it's, an, it's a really strange one because, which goes back to the whole Michelin thing, because I was still, I'd gone on holiday and I was still in my mind a bit like, what's going to happen? Mm. It's coming up. And we were on our way back from Inesia when Michelin put a tweet out where they'd been again. To hit? Yeah. Wow. But we'd been closed for two weeks. This was like the last weekend before I was coming back to work. So right, I was like, okay. they've not been, like, it would have been two weeks ago. So it would have been the last day before we went on holiday. Right. There was a picture of dessert. And I had a, I had a text message from a chef saying, when did you have Michelin in? And I went, <laughs> don't know. well, I don't know, mate, because I've been on holiday. <laughs> I have a look on Twitter. And my Twitter went fucking mental. And then I had loads of chefs saying to me, well, that's confirmation that you've done it. Mm. So it was a really weird one because it was like, yeah, I just yeah, had this yeah. fucking amazing meal. I was a little bit overwhelmed by that because it was just... I've watched Gareth's journey mm. from when he went there and Gareth took his first head chef job at the same time as me and we've been friends for years. Mm. And um, just to watch him evolve over time. And again, but same as Alex, yeah. to where that mill was like... Well, it's the three of you, isn't it? You're all really, like you say, yeah. I see you all very, even though your style was very yeah. different. Yeah, and that that was the thing for me. It was like, I'd gone I'd gone there and I'd, Gareth had completely changed it compared to the last time I went. Uh, the food was 
fucking ridiculous. It was really, really good. It was really well balanced. And I remember coming away from there and thinking, fucking hell, like, he's doing so well for himself, mm. which I'm so proud of him for because that guy is a fucking workhorse. <laughs> um, but yeah, on, on the same day, I got this. So yeah. it was like mixed emotions of what the fuck is going on here. <laughs> so it's been a bit of a funny one, yeah. If you had to choose one of those five, then that's your favourite, what would you choose? Dish wise? Yeah. I'm going to say. Gareth's basically because um, of what happened in that 48 hours sure I'm a big believer that a lot of things happen for a reason and you're somebody that really is this this chat is a year or so in the making because we've had a couple of like times where one of us could make it one of us couldn't and I always say for me now, yeah, it's probably the better, it would have been better than it was a year ago, yeah, absolutely. I, and I was just thinking that as we were chatting, I was thinking, can I imagine if we'd have had this chat last year, we wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to share in your success, yeah, tell you how delighted I am yeah, for thank you. you, yeah, and obviously, you know, just getting to know you over over social, yeah, and now to meet today, it's just been a joy, yeah, it's been fucking brilliant. I wish you every thank ounce you. of success that you deserve, and you've smashed this year.